TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go here. All right, let me get two things straight here, Manny Hill. There is no Yankee jinx. It has never been a Yankee (laughs) jinx. The Yankees have always been better than the Twins when they defeated them in the postseason. Yes. Now, in uh, 2010, you might have had a shot if uh, Morneau was healthy. Let's face it, the big chance was 2006. When Fernand, if uh, Francisco Liriano had not went down yep. in August, then that team would have defeated Oakland. They would have had two pitchers to carry them, and maybe that would have been the team of, of this generation. What I remember, too, Pat, about that year was everybody wanted the Oakland A's that year. Yes. All the fans, it was like, oh, I'd rather play Oakland, don't want to deal with the Yankees anymore. Yeah. And they played Oakland and got yes. swept right out And, of, uh, of course, uh, to me, the fact that they had a champagne celebration on Friday yeah. and then chose to do it on Sunday yeah. and then caught the noon game on Tuesday when they were still patting themselves on the back yep. and Barry Zito dazzled them with that slop of his uh, <laughs> and Johan lost. Once Johan lost... Yeah, you it was, had it was over. You had Radke with a bad shoulder, and uh, was that Radke? No, who was that? Radke Booth, started. You had Boof in Booth, game two. Boof was game two, and then Radke started with uh, the bad shoulder, with the bad shoulder in Oakland, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, that was yep. quick. Anyway, it's Marco there's Scuro. not a Yankee jinx. But before we start dwelling on the Yankees, who, by the way, uh, even though they came down to the end with the Twins in the home run derby and were a phenomenon all year, that Yankee lineup. As banged up as as it is, is not as dangerous as it has been. They've lost to better Yankee teams than this. And while we all talk about their starting pitching, if they have Paxton, Severino, and Tanaka, it's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. So, before we get into that, we must pause a moment to once again talk about this season. Yeah. The Minnesota Twins now have hit the 2019 Minnesota Twins, no matter what baseball is being smart, have hit more home runs than any team in the history of baseball. Mm -hmm. 307. And if indeed baseball is going to tone down the ball, use humidors, uh, all those things, this record – could be like DiMaggio's 56-game yeah. hitting streak. It might be there if they've toned down the ball. It might be there forever. Yeah, we might not ever see – if they tone down the ball the way you're saying, we might not ever see a team hit 300 home runs no, in the season no. again. No, I mean, it's – It's it an is, astronomical number. It is astounding number. And here's the other thing. They scored 939 runs. <laughs> 939 runs. I was talking to Dustin Morris, uh, the Twins uh, communications guy, and Dustin was telling me that, I might have said this last week, but it's worth repeating, that Dustin watched this lineup late in spring trading when they were knocking the hell out of the ball down in Florida. Yeah. And uh, Dustin said to Falvey, he says, this team could score 800 runs. (laughs) And then – 
The next day, they banged the ball around again, and Dustin said to Felby, they can score 900 runs. And he said, let's calm down here. So, so even, Who knew? No, nobody knew what was going on. So 307 home runs, 939 runs, which is an, uh, astronomical. Yep. Their pitchers, because, probably because of the era, but for all our complaints about their pitchers, their pitchers struck out more batters this year than they ever have in their history, even yep. when they had Blylevin and Pasquale and those guys. Uh, they've they and here to me is the number one stat: fifty-five and twenty-six on the road. Whew. Fifty-five wins on the road. That's seven more wins on the road than any other team. Tampa had forty-eight. That's more than the Dodgers, who ended up winning more games than they have in their history, 107. I think it was 107, right? The Dodgers, I think, ended up 107, which is more than any time in the franchise history. Now, we have to remember that it was in the National League, it wasn't until 1962 that they started playing a 162-game schedule. Before Mm -hmm. that, it was 154. Yeah. So it would be rather unreasonable to uh, expect some team, although – the Cubs ended up. Uh, the Cubs ended up. There's some year back in the teens where they were 116 and 36 or something. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is, 55 road wins. The record is, uh, I believe, uh, 59 by uh, that Seattle team that won 116 games, or maybe even the, 61. The huge row team. Yeah, the, the team that en- then ended up getting beat by A.J. and the White Sox, right, in the uh, playoffs? No, that was uh, – they got beat was... by the Yankees that year in the ALCS. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. What year was that, it? That was 2001. 2001. Because the Yankees yeah. then yeah, lost Yeah, that's right. That was, A.J. was still here. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, uh, that you know, that great Seattle team, and then they, you know, they – they uh, got they beat, ran into but, the Yankees, but fifty-five and third and uh, twenty-seven is uh, twenty-six. The Twins, when they won a World Series, were twenty-nine and fifty-two on the road, and they were fifty-six and twenty-five at home. And we thought, holy 87. cow, yeah, eighty-seven. They wow. were twenty-nine and fifty-two on the road. This team won 55 games on the road. That's that's incredible. And the Detroit Tigers won 47 total. Total, yes, yes. <laughs> well, how many? They must have won more than Baltimore, too, right? Baltimore didn't win 55, did they? Uh, the Orioles, yeah, the Orioles won. The Orioles went 54 and 108. Yeah, so they beat the Orioles. Uh, they beat the Orioles and the Tigers with home games. And only, <laughs> and only, only road two games. fewer wins than the Marlins total. Marlins won 57 games. Wow. Uh, well, anyway, it's it's been an astounding season already. We don't know what's going to happen. They don't have Pineda. Uh, I don't believe, no matter what stories they're telling us, that Arise is going to be on the active list come Friday. No. no. Uh, here, for one, here's one reason. Once you start the playoff series, if you if he gets out there and can't play. And you replace him. You can replace him, but then he can't play the rest of the postseason. Yeah, he can't play. Yeah, he can't. He play can't that's round. if you replace a guy in a first round series, then he's done. Yep. And uh, so I don't think they'll risk it. They'll just take. They have to take their shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, without him, and there's other obvious things to worry about. Kepler hasn't played in three weeks, and they say that they're going to play him, but. 
They're going to have to keep 13 position players because Mar- if you put Marwood and Kepler on the third on the active roster, you don't know if either of them is going to make it yeah. to the finish line. So you got to have you know have another guy. You're going to have Ronald Torres and uh, and uh, you know Lamont Cave Wade. and Lamont Wade will yeah. probably both be on the list. So uh, yeah, it's uh, you're you're certainly not going in there with full health. But if Rocco wasn't so indifferent to yesterday's game and tying the Twins, you know, where they could have tied the Twins' all-time victory record mm-hmm. and had not chosen to bring in poor overmatched Lewis Thorpe at the bottom of the eighth, they could have won that game too. They could have uh, tied the all-time Twins' record of 102 wins that was set by the uh, great, the great 1965 team. Different brand of baseball. Yeah. It, here's what's interesting, Manny. 63 and 64 is when they hit the massive number of home runs for right. that era. And the next year, they only hit like 150. They'd hit 220, what, whatever the record was. Well, I think wasn't 64. I think I remember 64 you telling me this before. Was, 64, they set the, was, was when they set the Yeah, franchise and I record. think when they did that. It was that, 225, right? Yeah, and when they did that, I think it was the all-time record. Uh, or maybe the 61 Yankees with Mantle and Maris beat that. But it sure. was one of the highest totals ever when they did it, 225. Mm-hmm. But the next year, they kind of changed, and they still had Harmon and Tony. And Tony Tony was a rookie, and Tony could run then. And But it was because they started playing, moved the runners. They did a much better job of moving runners and creating runs and playing a smaller version of ball was, with better fielding. So we were very proud of the fact that we did hit home runs in 1965. Was Rodney there yet in 65 or did he no, come No, 67. 67, Rodney came over. Yes, that's a famous story on that too. But but 65, you go back and look at the stories. Ah, oh, they're playing that good fundamentally. <laughs> Their guy gets to second, they move him to third with the ground ball <laughs> you know they move him they they create runs it's small ball they this manufacture is, runs this, yes this is what we do the hell with those home runs so uh <laughs> and this year did they still they stole a base two days in a row uh to get to uh i think they got to 28 on friday i don't know if they stole a base saturday or sunday i don't think they did I looked it up though, when when uh, they stole that base on Thursday, I believe. Yeah. And it was their twenty seventh, and it was their fourth since the All Star game, and their first in like three weeks. Rocco stole twenty seven bases as a rookie, <laughs> and the Twins stole twenty seven bases for him as a rookie manager. But then they stole a base again the next day, so I think they ended up with twenty eight. By the way, I I point when they when they clinched last week, I I tweeted this out. I went back, and it's amazing, Pat. This is the fifth time in franchise history, or at least since the Twins, since yeah. they became the Twins in 61, fifth time that a manager has won the division in his first year, first full year with the club. Billy Martin. Billy Martin. Sam Mill? No, not Mill. Uh, Rigney. Rigney, yes, the next that's year right. After yeah, Billy. Rigney, they won the division both. That was, those were the first two years, first two of, the years of the division play. Yep. 
Those teams were really good. Yeah. The, yeah, the West wasn't and that 70. bad. And they won 97 and 98, those Ooh. two teams. Yeah. And uh, then TK's first, first, TK first full year. won the World Series. Yeah, first full year. He won it. Then, and Gardy. And then Gardy. That is yeah. amazing. That yeah. is, uh, you know. Fifth time a manager's won the division. They in haven't, his first in, year. in retrospect, they haven't had that many. Calvin would fire guys more regularly. Yeah. But uh, Cookie Lavagetto didn't make it through the first year. We gave him a rest during the first year. They, they gave him. Ten days off to come back home and go fishing, and you, you knew his, he was in trouble. And we did, we were pretty naive about Major League Baseball then, but we knew that was a bad sign for Cookie that they uh, <laughs> that they told him to go home and go fishing, and then Mealy replaced him like ten days later, replaced him. Then Cookie came back and lasted about a week, and then so that was two. Mm-hmm. Cal Irmer's three, Billy's four, Rigney's five, Frank. Willisy is six. Mock is seven. Now, if you count Johnny, you got to count Johnny Goral. He was eight. He was very mm-hmm. short term. Slick Gardner's nine. Uh, let's see. I'm doing my, uh, this probably isn't great radio. Who came after? Oh, Ray Miller, the Ray rabbit. Miller. That's 10. And then, That's 10. Then, and then TK, TK and Gardy forever. TK Gardy, yeah. That's 12. Mahler, 13. Rocco's the 14th manager. And five of them have won a division their first year. Yeah. It's amazing. They also have won five uh, series in their history. They were 0-3 in the in the generation of smaller playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. they were 0-3, uh, World Series 65, ALCS 69, 70. Mm-hmm. And then they won the first four. They won in 87 and 91. And then the, the 2002 team, Guardy's first team, yeah. beat the Moneyballers. Yep. In uh, five great series, wonderful oh. series, and then uh, they haven't won since. So it's uh, I think it's six. They've lost six series in a row now. And if you don't count the wild card game, thirteen straight uh, playoff losses. Too. Yeah, that's not good. But uh, it I think has, they'll get one. Huh? I think they'll get one. Oh, I do. Too. I think uh, the as prone to strikeouts as uh, I, I'm hoping Stanton plays. Mm-hmm. Now he might hit a 900 foot home run, but he can you can strike him out. Yeah, I, I like having him come on with two up, two out, two out and two on because mm-hmm. he can strike him out and get out of, out of the inning. Yeah. Rizzi might pitch okay against him with that high fastball, but if you get it a little too low, that high fastball, uh, they can hit those uh, 380 foot home you know, runs. You know the right what's center. amazing about him too? I didn't realize he he's only given up 16 home runs this year. Throwing all those fly balls. Yeah. That's incredible. I think I, I thought I'd heard that they weren't going to start Barrios in game one. They were worried about his nerves, but he mm-hmm. looked pretty good the other day, even against that lineup. And so he, he goes one, order Rizzi two, and then they try to come back and sneak it in, right, when they get yeah. home. So that would be uh, that would be my guess anyway. But they, they're going to wait till the bitter end to tell us. These guys are very secretive. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be very interesting to see who ends up on the 25-man because of their injury situation. So They're going to have to get creative. That's yeah, for sure. That's for two. But it's no matter what happens, if you're a base, Minnesota baseball fan, 59 years here, most shocking season ever. Yeah, I mean, eighty-seven shocking because you won the World Series with a team that was twenty-nine and fifty-two on the road. Yeah, but uh, when you look at the totality is, I mean, this of this is, regular season, well, I wrote yeah. this. Uh, I tweeted this out. 
When we left spring training, this was going in the last game of the year in Fort Myers, when the two tenants of Fort Myers baseball, Daniels Parkway, four miles away from each other, mm-hmm. left Fort Myers. We figured that one of them would have 101 wins, and the other, the other might, if they were lucky, have 83. But we didn't figure the Twins were the 101 and the Red Sox were the 83. That's for sure. So. All right, we uh, shall return. Uh, Buster Olney uh, with a little playoff preview. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 952- 925-5608 and set up your 48-minute no-obligation consultation. Call 952-925-5608. You'll always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Call Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. Buster Oldie is with us, ESPN and ESPN.com, and ESPN uh, lands what I consider the premier uh, wildcard game. Rays and A's, two really good teams, two really good stories. You get to play that wildcard game in one of the two or three worst stadiums in baseball. I love the Oakland Coliseum because... This old dump is the last place in the world where we have both a football team and a baseball team playing. It's incredible. <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, is is that, uh, you know, it's interesting because these old ballparks, like we think of Wrigley Field and everyone bows down. Yes. And same thing with Fenway Park and Dodger Stadium. The Coliseum, no. <laughs> no, people don't feel that way. No, I would say this. I do think that if you were to rank uh, places by atmosphere, it would be in the top three. Like the fans there with the drums, and they get excited. And, you know, last Thursday when uh, we were sort of beginning to to bore in on the possibility that that Oakland would uh, host the wild card game, they had, by last Thursday, they'd already sold 39,000 tickets. Wow. And it looks like that they may be about 50,000 folks for for that ball game. That will be a tremendous atmosphere with a lot of energy. Uh, I will neither, you know, I won't, I won't confirm nor deny that uh, down the stretch I was kind of rooting for being in Oakland rather than being in Tampa. <laughs> Mount, uh, so they take the tarp out of Mount Davis. Mount Davis will be open for that game, huh? The uh, the big high bleachers that they have yeah, out there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think you cast it right. Like this is the most interesting game because, and, and one thing that I love, you've got two teams with very little resources. They're always at the bottom of payroll, and they didn't tank. Like, no. either one of these teams is a history of tanking. <laughs> yes. And and it's cool. You know, I had a great conversation uh, with a you know, high-ranking executive with the, with the Rays uh, earlier in, in early September, and we were talking about the whole thing about tanking. He goes, you know, the most valued asset in your organization is not draft picks. It's not money. It's all the opportunities that you have with each of the at-bats and each of the innings to try to help those guys get better. And that's the attitude of those two teams – and you love it. And I'd say this. I don't 
I can't in my mind sort of build a reasonable path through which Tampa Bay goes on and wins the World Series because they don't have a lot of depth with their pitching because of some injuries. But Oakland is a dangerous team. Like down the stretch, how they're performing, Sean Mania coming back from a shoulder injury, and their recent success against against the Astros. They won six of the last eight games against them. And against the Yankees, they won four or six in their season series. So that is a dangerous team. And what's interesting is two years ago, Tampa, okay, they fell off. The, they had a horrible year, and we said, okay, this is the start of it, right? They're they're going in the tank, and then they bounced back last year. They're still in. Last year, I remember being there in spring training, and they were going to – they were so short of pitching, they had this asinine idea of uh, using a reliever to start games. And <laughs> we were all laughing about it. I was up there thought, writing something about how radical this was. And, of course, now everybody copies them. They, the baseball has copied a lot of stuff from those people. Oh, uh, no doubt. Well, last offseason, it's funny because Oakland, uh, Billy Bean and his staff won executive of the year last year. And I got text messages from folks with other teams saying, with all due respect to the voters, the executives of the year are in Tampa. And all you needed to, to, to know that, uh, all you needed to know to know that was the fact that they kept on having people hired out of the organization, oh, yeah. including by the Twins with Rocco Baldelli and people raiding their organization because they were, you know, have been considered to be at the forefront uh, of a lot of things that are happening in baseball. Yeah, you're right. It was only 16 months ago that we that the Rays started using an opener, and guess what? All 30 teams now look at that as a real viable option. <laughs> I was up there, and, like, they had a sort of a media day for their media there before a couple of weeks before spring training, and their media is basically Topkin. You know, I mean, maybe yep. one other guy will show up. But they were having a pitcher's workout here and come on up and talk to these people. And meanwhile, they had a home show out in left field, you know, people wandering in to buy cheap toaster ovens and stuff like that. (laughs) I mean, and they got that ratty tarp up there in the top deck. They cut everything off, and yet they somehow did it. And Oakland is... I mean, they Moneyball, and everybody now refers to analytics as, you know, it started with Moneyball. It might have started with it, but it's way over the top. So they've they've had to adjust their operation a lot for Moneyball with Bean, you know, and he he still won't watch games and that kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, they, they've been phenomenal, too. And they've done a great job of, of adding, you know, superstar-level players. You know, Marcus Semien is probably the best. Yes. Their shortstop is the best player that we don't talk about enough. Um, he's probably going to finish in the top four in the American League MVP voting. Uh, I remember, and you remember those years, he's making 25, 28 errors a year. And I you know, was talking with David Forrest, their general manager, uh, at the time. And I was like, are, are you guys going to pull the plug on this? I mean, he's making a lot of errors. And he kept on telling me, look, Ron Washington, who was their infield instru- instructor at the time, kept on raving about the kid's work ethic, and he's a great athlete, and he works really hard, <laughs> and we think he's going to get better. And I reminded David of that conversation when I talked to him the other day, and he, and he, he noted that, you know, let's face it, let's be honest here, uh, if our team was in a different place, then we may have 
try to accelerate that, uh, you know, with the development at shortstop or maybe do something different with him. But he's had the luxury of time, and he's done a great job. You know, Matt Chapman, they got in the first round of the draft, and, you know, they, he had worked out at the Coliseum two days before the draft and put on a show, and they remembered that going to the draft. And their first baseman, Matt Olson, you know, those are three-fourths of, of what has been a terrific infield. Uh, it, it, as you say, a lot of other teams have, you know, borrowed from some of their philosophies, but Oakland just keeps on evolving, and generally speaking, they keep on winning, and they don't go through these terrible, you know, five, six-year cycles like we've seen with other teams that are basically not trying to be competitive. Hey, Buster, I, uh, I uh, offered this uh, tweet on Sunday morning. Uh, the Twins and the Red Sox, of course, train four miles apart. They play, uh, I think, six times, might be eight down there. And uh, they're right off Daniels Parkway, as you well know. And I said, when they, when these two teams left uh, Fort Myers in, in late March, we assumed that one of them would win 101 games and the other would win maybe around 83 if they were lucky. But we had the teams mixed up here. <laughs> we did not. We did not think the Twins would be the 101s and the Red Sox would be 83 or 84. Uh, you're exactly right. And you know, on the Red Sox side of that, I think that I mean, let's face it. When they came out of spring training, their starting pitching wasn't ready to go because they had nope. tried to account for all the innings thrown last October. Uh, they backed off the the preparation for the starting pitchers, and they simply never caught up. All the guys in that rotation. Uh, except for Eduardo Rodriguez, either got hurt or they just didn't pitch that well. And on the other side, boy, you know, the Twins, uh, with the vision that Derek uh, Falvey had for the lineup and, and focusing on power and jumping on that right away, and then you see the trend in baseball with everyone now, you know, loading up on lineups. Again, we talked about trend being trendsetters when you're the Rays or you're the Oakland Athletics. The Twins this year, I think, were ahead of the curve in identifying something that was going to be important this year, and they did it better than anybody else and set a record. Uh, Buster Olney's with us. Buster, you think the Red Sox might take a run at our guy, Falvey? I think they would love to talk to him, and I, I've spoken with a mutual friend of his who told me that he thinks that, you know, just knowing Derek's personality, he thinks that he probably wouldn't seriously entertain that because, yeah. Uh, you know, he would consider what he's doing with the Twins as a work in progress, as a, a first step. And here's the other thing, too, and I've heard this from a lot of executives. Let's face it, Derek has, because he's so highly regarded within the industry and because he's had success now with the Twins, he's got some leverage. And I've had people with other organizations tell me uh, who are really prominent members of their industry, and they basically feel like that the Red Sox ownership has a perception problem and that people look at them and say, you know what? You had Ben Charrington who focused on the farm yep. system, and you fired him after you won a World Series. <laughs> and then you have Dave Dombrowski who went all in and spent a lot of resources, and you fired him less than a year. What exactly are you people looking for? Yes. And I've had high, you know, really qualified people tell me, you know what, if they were to call, I wouldn't be interested because I'm just not, uh, you know, I, I'm not interested in diving into that level of dysfunction. So the Twins end up edging the Yankees, 307 home runs to 306. Uh, if Is baseball going to tone down the ball, and will this record stand like DiMaggio's, do you think? Are they going to tone down the baseball or not? Uh, yeah, I, I think that somehow, some way, they're going to get to that point. Because uh, I, I know, boy, you, you talk to 
executive players, managers, you know, you go on the record, what do you think? And they go, well, we love it, action, home runs. And then you say, okay, off the record, how do you feel? And they say, we hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Like they really don't like the current product. Here's the complication. Um, You know, at the All-Star game, I accidentally walked into a conversation that was happening between Dan Halem, the number two official in baseball, and Max Scherzer, the Nationals, who's a you know member of uh, you know, baseball executive committee among the players, and Max was saying to him, "Look, if you guys do stuff with the ball, you need to tell us." Yes. So my question is, that's from good. The player side, what are you going to ask for? Yeah. <laughs> I I wonder if they'll just uh, now. I was told by somebody with the Twins that the humidor is maybe the solution. They might have everybody have a humidor. Or, and I've heard this from a number of baseball uh, you know, folks at the team level, they say that somehow they have to get the seams higher again because that was part of the problem this year where the seams weren't just as high, and what you had was <coughs> excuse me, a lot of pitchers struggling yes. to adapt uh, and, and you know, with an inability to, to throw yes. their off-speed putt, uh, stuff with as much precision. And one example of that this year was Masahiro Tanaka, the Yankees. You know, his old splitter grip, splitter grip just didn't work, and so in August he changed that to account for the baseball, but he wasn't the only guy who struggled with that. Yeah, well, uh, they end up not only with uh, 307 home runs, they scored 939 runs here this year. It's, uh, it is one of the most, you know, I'm, I'm old enough. I went to the first game this team ever played in Met Stadium in 1961, now, 87, when you go 29 and 52 on a road and win the World Series, that's a shock. But this might be the most shocking season in Twins history. Yeah, and, you know, with all the runs they're putting up, and, boy, this series against the Yankees, to have the number one and number two teams in runs scored, I'm going to be covering it for Sports Center for ESPN. And I'm already planning on bringing, you know, extra protein bars, <laughs> as much caffeine as I possibly can, maybe some energy drinks, because this thing, I think, has a chance to be a real slugfest, especially with the way that the Yankees finished. They clearly, you know, the injuries, I think, toward the end of the year yep. finally began to take a real toll on them. Uh, they didn't play well down the stretch, and their pitchers didn't perform probably in the last week as they had hoped. So it'll be very interesting to see how many runs are scored in this series. If I'm playing against the Yankees, this is just me, and Stanton's back in the lineup, I'm okay with that. Now, he might get a bad pitch and hit one 700 feet and beat you, but you can strike him out. And, uh, I mean, they got other guys. Judge can strike out too, but Judge to me is more dangerous. Stanton Stanton is their Sano, except now Sano's better than Stanton. So, uh uh, I I I just I kind of like if I'm a Twins observer having Stanton back in the lineup. I uh, agree with you, and that's why I I look at Stanton as being the big X factor for the Yankees. And it's funny you mentioned that because I had a, had a manager in baseball tell me that from his perspective he felt the same way. Like he preferred to face the Yankees lineup with Stanton because you have a potential island of a strikeout dropped right in the middle of it. Yes. So if you're a pitcher, you're a catcher, and you got a couple guys on base, and Stanton is in the on-deck circle, you might choose to go after him. Now, that all said, when he gets on a roll, he's really dangerous. Yes. I will tell you, you know, because it's New York, and the fans are who they are, and, and Stanton, no matter what he does moving forward, he's always going to be viewed as an outsider because he's not a homegrown product. If he makes outs in his first two or three plate appearances in the postseason and the Yankees are losing a game, that's, those fans in Yankee Stadium will turn on him yep. so 
quickly, and I do wonder if that happens, what effect that'll have on them. You uh, were able to cover the Yankees in their last glory years. Uh, the atmosphere in that stadium cannot equal the old right field, right? My, I once arranged for my brother-in-law, who's a nice accountant here from the Twin Cities, <laughs> to go to a Yankees postseason game and sat in right field. And... Uh, he loved it, but he had to leave after seven innings. He was—he had a pounding headache. The atmosphere can't be the same in this ballpark. No, it, generally speaking, it hasn't been. You know, we're ten years into the new ballpark, yeah. and uh, compared to the old ballpark, where I remember Joe Girardi once telling me that when he hit that triple in the 1996 yeah. World Series, which kind of broke it open, he could feel the ground shaking oh, as yeah. he was running. Uh, you could see the stands, as you remember, shaking. Uh, and I will tell you that in 2017, it got so loud in the new ballpark because the fans loved that team. It was Aaron Judge's yes, right. first time on stage. And it was so loud there that at the end of Game 5, Carlos Beltran, Brian McCann, who played with the Yankees, called a team meeting of the Astros and basically told the young players, look, calm down. It's okay. We'll be okay because the Yankee Stadium was much louder than it had been. But I don't know if, if uh, Yankee fans now have the same type of passion that they did in 2017. That remains to be seen. As I say, I'm really curious to see how they respond in this series against the Twins. What do people say about the field there with the soccer team running around? I haven't heard anything about that specifically. Okay. Any, so they uh, must have the greatest groundskeeper ever then or something. Yeah, Dave Cunningham does a great job. And, and let's face it, he's he uh, – you know, at this point, I think that over time, these, uh, you know, the groundskeepers who have these, uh, you know, the concerts and things like that that drop in, they have an understanding, I think, of how to get the, the, the ball, the field back in shape. And I know the Yankees often change out the sod during the course of the year if they have that type of stuff. So I think they'll be okay. So the Brewers, who had a phenomenal post Yelich run, now might not have Kane, uh, might not have Braun. Braun Crazy. says he's going to play, but uh, that's uh, and now they got to go face Scherzer. So big underdogs, but uh, well, they, they better. I think that guy's the manager of the year, Consul, What he did with those with that team. I agree with you on that. That's who I would pick. And you know, with all due respect to guys like Mike Schilt and. Dave Martinez and the way that he brought back the Nationals, I would pick Council as well. I, I, in fact, I think if you were to make a, you know, a list of the three best managers in baseball, he'd be in that. And the Brewers are probably at this point so used to being underdogs yeah. that they're fine playing without those guys. But I mentioned when I was talking about the Rays that I can't imagine a reasonable path for them to get the way through. I feel the same way about the Brewers. Like I, they, they might win the wild card game. Maybe they find a way to beat Scherzer, but I can't see them winning a series against the Dodgers with that incredible depth. Um, you know, they, they and the Rays are the two teams that I just don't think probably have enough firepower to get all the way through October. Buster, what's your best guess on what direction the Cubs are going to go in with their next manager now that Joe, Joe Madden is done? Look, our, you know, our colleague David Ross came out last night and for the first time, you know, spoke about how he wants to manage, and I'm sure that he's going to be under consideration. I know that you know, Theo Epstein, who the head of baseball ops, who brought in Mark Loretta to be the bench coach this year, and Jed Hoyer, who used to work with Mark Loretta in the San Diego front office. They like him as well. Uh, and Loretta, you know, is very understated. He's like a lot of the managers now. He's a great communicator. 
um, you know, the early, we're just starting this process. I would install those two guys as the early favorites. Madden going to San Diego, you think? Or where's he going? I think he's going to the Angels now. I'm, oh, really? This, yeah. And I'm at a disadvantage because as I speak with you, Brad Ausmus' fate is literally hanging in the air. <laughs> I reported last night that his job was in jeopardy. Artie Moreno, I think, is going to make a decision this morning, a final decision. I think Brad is going to lose his job. And if he, you know, if he doesn't, then great. Then he'd go into year two of a three-year deal. But if he does, Artie Moreno knows Joe Madden from all those years that Joe was with the Angels organization. And, and boy, uh, he would walk into a nice situation with Trout and uh, the, that farm system really beginning to turn out some good players. Buster, have a great postseason. Uh, thanks, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, guys, that sounds good. I'll see you at the ballpark this weekend. All right, good. Uh, Buster Olney has been with us, and that was fantastic. And we'll be back here and uh, kind of wrap this thing up. Here's the baseball podcast with Manny Hill and Ricey. Uh, We just uh, talked to Buster Olney. He was great, as always. Uh, Next week, we'll uh, be in the middle of the playoffs and have the TK doubleheader. In fact... Next Monday, they will be home for their. Uh, That's right. Their uh, first the game three for, for game three. Their second playoff game since 2010, and the first at home since 2010. Mm-hmm. They've only had one. Uh, they had two at home. They lost. They were at home against the Yankees. In yeah, they had home field advantage that series. Yeah. And uh, we're we're it was looking good in about the sixth. Liriano had a three zero lead, didn't mm-hmm. he? The fifth I or sixth so. inning, and then the uh, Yankees came back and beat them, and the boys, uh, the boys ended up uh, getting beat in that. That club, of course, as I've always said, that could have been a World Series team if Morneau hadn't gotten hurt. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, it uh, it'll be interesting how we do with uh, our our outdoor. Uh, we we had it was a beautiful two nights uh, in early October when they I played the Yankees yeah. there. We'll see how we do this time. It's uh, a long playoff run in that ballpark would be uh, very interesting, don't you think? Being back outdoors, yeah. You know they did that at Met Stadium. 65 World Series. I think she wrapped up on October 11th. I might not be. I might be mistaken, but I think uh, I remember being there uh, when uh, we uh, went to Game Six, myself and a bunch of my buddies, and we had four tickets, and they made a little mark on them, a red mark on them when you went in. Mm-hmm. And my brother was an expert at erasing the red mark. And I think we got 14 guys into the game because he'd, <laughs> he'd walk back out with with three, with three four tickets and then yeah. bring three more guys in and the left field bleachers out there. Game six, Mudcat's great game where Mudcat hit the home run and the Twins. The twins. Do you know that the Twins never won a World Series game on the road? They were 0-3 against those Dodgers playing on concrete. Yeah. And then they were 0 three in eighty seven and ninety one. That's right. So yeah. they've never won a never won a road game, and they've only lost one home game. Game they seven were, in sixty five. Uh, game right? seven to Koufax and uh, in 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 sixty five. That's it. So they're uh, what that would be uh, eleven and one at home and and uh, <laughs> oh and nine on the road. So uh, it's amazing. It's, it is that now, do- that. Uh, you know the Dodgers, the '65, the Twins were big underdogs. The Dodgers, and they beat them here twice. Yeah, and uh, I and uh, then uh, went out there, and Harmon was playing third, 
and you were playing on concrete, and you had Maury yeah. Wills and the go-go Dodgers. That was a no power. That was a no power. Tommy Davis and, you know, no power. And they'd yeah. slap the ball all over and played on that concrete. Now, did they play a lot of night games back then in the World Series? I don't think they played any. Then they were I think all they were day all games. day games, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. They were all day games. When did they start, when did they start oh, playing a lot more night games? They at, played at the one night game in the early it might have been 70 okay they played that one we're going we're to experience america revolted yeah. because well the kids can't stay up and watch well they were in school for the other games <laughs> right you know they were in school for the other games but everybody yeah. the kids they can't you know what about this eight-year-old kid who has to go to bed well they took two if hours. If it's September 15th and you're playing a 2 o'clock game in the afternoon, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, on yeah. a Wednesday, the kids are at school. Yes. Well, <laughs> I always tell this famous story. I was, of course, baseball, the 56 World Series. 55. Oh, Don Larson's perfect game. 56? Was it 50? 56. I think 56. It was, I think 56. Yeah, because yeah, Johnny Padres was the hero in 55. But I, I lived across the lake from St. Gabe's. And I could get home in about five minutes riding my bike. Five, you know, we're not talking about Lake Minnetonka here. <laughs> Full the lake. And I went home. I'd run home for the lunch to see what the score was and watch 25 minutes in black and white, right? Yeah. And then ride back. Well, I got home and Don Larson was pitching a perfect game. <laughs> so I stayed and waited. <laughs> and then I got back. Maybe the game took two hours it was over like one o'clock in the afternoon our yeah. time and i got back though and the nun says how come you're late i said don larson from the yankees pitched a perfect game i had to stay and watch it she said oh okay <laughs> i said oh, you know that's, carry on that's how big baseball was you know in america back then you know the world series and uh once in a while they would come on at the the intercom and in the in the school and mm -hmm. Give us the score, you know, after six innings or something like that. Uh, some and not with the Twins, you know, the Twins weren't even here yet. Just whoever happened to be. Yeah. Yankees are beating the Dodgers four to two in the sixth inning or something. You know, something. So about about what time, around what year was it that people were really able to watch Twins games almost on a daily basis on TV? Oh God. Well into the 70s. Well into the 70s. The first okay. year they were here, I've told you this, and for a period of time, 20, 20 games, TV. Mm -hmm. 16 road games and four home games on Friday nights for like in June. The, the Starting probably after Memorial Day, the next four Fridays that they were at home, so maybe June and July, mm -hmm. they'd be on TV, home, and then they'd have 16 road games. I mean, TV was an event. Yeah, TV was an event, and it's and the, the theory being, it hurts your attendance, you know. And it might have with those cheap Lutherans back then. Three, I'm not gonna. God Almighty, I don't have to spend three bucks to sit in the box seat. I can watch it at home. Also, Manny, the first few years, I I I, I can't swear by this, but the first seven or eight years, starting time. Night games, 8.05. Mm, really? 8.05. 8.05 local time? 8.05. Yeah, Met Stadium, 8.05. Wow. So you probably miss the news if you got stuck in the parking, if they had a decent crowd. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, you'd be home by 10.30. 
Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know, nowadays, nowadays, you start at 8.05, well, you get to you, 10.30, you're in the fifth inning. I told you, the 87 <laughs> game, the the Twins got out of the jam in the top of the first the last Sunday and then mm-hmm. and then scored five in the bottom of the first. Did the Royals, yeah. And, and two hours and 12 minutes. This year, same situation, 404. <laughs> <laughs> 404. Now, oh. Blylevin pitched a complete game as opposed to seven relievers. But uh, Well, think about how long these games with the Yankees this weekend in this series, right? If, goes if, three games or five pitching, games or whatever. Think about how long these games are going to be. If the I think the Yankee pitching is going to be – the starters are going to be better with Severino and, and, and Paxton. Paxton if he's yeah. healthy. If Paxton's not healthy, they're in the same mess the Twins are. Yeah. Uh, but and then you get to that Yankee but, bullpen, man. Yeah, they're good, but yeah, I mean, if they get them, if if they get to the second level of pitchers for both teams, then you got fourteen to twelve again or something mm-hmm. like that. So, hey, by the way, all you Aaron Hicks lovers, he's hurt again. Yeah. Everybody who says they should have kept Hicks because Buxton gets hurt all the time, well, guess what? Hicksy's Hicks, hurt again. Hicks, 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 Hicks missed the first 70 games this year, lasted about two months, made the catch, which is being overrated, by the way. Buxton yeah. would have caught it on the run. Yeah, Byron but, wouldn't have needed to yeah, dive for but that catch. But it was a hell of a – it was a, a, a very clutch catch. Yeah. And he lasted about another two weeks, and he hasn't played since. So, anyway, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll it's going to be a fun series. My – I'm my money right now is if I were a betting man, which I'm not, but if I was, I would put money on the Yankees. But you if, know, I I I don't think the Twins have zero shot. In no, series, I don't either. I'd but, say if they were playing Houston, I'd say pretty much zero. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think they got a thirty percent shot. Mm-hmm. If they had Pineda, they'd have a fifty percent shot. Yeah. You know, Should I mean, be a fun that, series, though. Yeah, I'm looking be forward great. to it. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. All right, we'll do this again next week. And uh, Twins, uh, the good thing is, with the rise and everybody else, they get to wait here uh, five days before they decide who's on the roster and who's not. So we'll be back. Uh, thanks for listening.